Yeah, thank you so much. If you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I want us to read perhaps a familiar passage that you may have not read in a long time. But anyway, it's an account of a test that uh, Abraham had. And we'll look at Genesis 22, verses 1 through 19. And I believe uh, we will need to read all of that to get the essence of the message. I want to sh- share with you a message that I've just entitled, uh, A Man That Fears God. A Man That Fears God. Now, I know this is Father's Day, but we want to include everyone. So this is a message for everyone. Men, uh, fathers, uh, grandfathers, whomever, and then ladies, you'll be included in this also. So don't, don't want anyone to feel left out of God's Word. It's for everyone. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Genesis 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee, or tell of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men, and him, and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and they laid and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Picture this, if you would, in your mind. Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am, I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes, looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up to a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn unto the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, 
as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And so Abraham returned unto his young men. They arose and they went together to Beersheba. Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. So today's Father's Day, a day that's been set aside on our national calendar to recognize and to, to honor fathers. Today, fathers, dads, will be honored in many ways by a special greeting, perhaps, through phone calls. I've received phone calls by email. I've received some email by text. I've received some text today. Or just by a visit. We'll be honored that way. Some dads will have a special meal prepared at home, or they'll be carried out to a restaurant for lunch. And then a number of dads will be given gifts Showing their love and appreciation, and they may have a new tie, they may have a new dress shirt, they may have a, I don't know, a, a new cap, or maybe one of those shirts that says the greatest dad in all the world. I don't know, but uh, we like to show our affection to, to our fathers, to our dads. However, according to God's word that we've read this morning, I believe that the greatest honor that could ever be bestowed upon a dad Upon a husband, a grandpa, granddad, or uh, let's just say a man in general. It's what was spoken of of Abraham there in verse 12. When God's word says in verse 12, Now I know that you fear God. Wouldn't it be great for our children, our spouses, our children, our family members, our neighbors, just simply look at us and say, There goes a man that I know fears God. Wouldn't it be great for God to give the compliment like he gave to Abraham? I know you fear God. My goodness, what a compliment. What a compliment. Now, kindly for an overview of Genesis 22, perhaps Genesis 22 is one of the most uh, important chapters that you'll find in God's Word. For, for several reasons, there's a strange similarity between Isaac, Abraham's son, and Jesus. Uh, both, uh, both sacrifices. Uh, there's a similarity in that both were promised sons. Both were born miraculously. Both were a joy to their parents, to especially their father. Both were born at a set time. Both were present, uh, were persecuted by their brothers. Both were obedient. Unto death. Both had two men. Two men went with Isaac and Abraham. Two men went with Isaac and Christ hung between two thieves. Isaac carried the wood. Jesus carried the cross. Isaac questioned his father. Father, where's the sacrifice for the offering? Jesus questioned the father. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was obedient unto death while Isaiah was spared. However, uh, there's something special in God's word in Hebrews chapter 11. I mentioned that, uh, that uh, Isaiah, uh, I mean, Isaac was spared unto death 
But look at Hebrews chapter 11 just for a moment. I want to read some passages there in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, and I want us to look at uh, verse uh, verse, uh, 17 17 through 19. Notice what he says there. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was... When he was tried, he offered up. Now, now, here in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, we're going back to the story we just read about Abraham offering up Isaac. And he says here that by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, tested, we'll get into that in a few minutes, he offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. He offered up, God emphasizes the completeness of the act. When he says that he offered up Isaac, it meant literally that he, he completed the act. Now, it's interesting in knowing that a, a ram was furnished for the sacrifice, but God looked upon this as Abraham being faithful to the point that he completed the act. He completed the deed that was intended, even though God uh, stopped his hand Verse 18, notice verse 18, Hebrews 11. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall the seed be called, verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in figure. In other words, he says uh, uh, you know, that, that God received him in figure. He was offered up and he was literally, figuratively, symbolically died or dead as far as God was concerned. I thought it was interesting what John Phillips said about that verse, and I want to share it with you just for a moment. If you would listen to this, about God considered this act totally completed. Listen to what he says. And Philip says this, he says, But if the text underlies the magnitude of Abraham's trial, it also emphasizes the magnitude of Abraham's trust. Abraham went through with it, accounting, here it is, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he also received him back in figure. In other words, symbolically, God considered him dead, he completed the act, he did what he asked him to do, and then he received him back in figure, symbolically. He says up to this point, this is interesting, no man in history, nobody had ever been raised from the dead. Abraham did some figuring and made up his mind that God could even bring him back from the dead. And accounting that God could do the impossible, Abraham did the impossible. And Abraham is saying, hey, if, if I follow through with this, God can even bring him back from the dead. And so I'm following through with it. And God accepted that as a completed act, although figuratively he never had literally killed his son, Isaac. Beautiful, beautiful. And so you have there in uh, uh, Hebrews eleven nineteen disfigured symbolically that, Abra- that I- Isaac was raised from the dead. Symbolically, he was raised from the dead. Now, in Genesis twenty two nineteen, go back there. Genesis 22, verse 19, Abraham, if you'll notice, after he, he uh, went with Isaac, Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up, and they went together to Bersheba. Nothing was said about Isaac. 
Abraham goes back, finds the two men, nothing said about Isaac. However, the next time you find Isaac, Isaac is in chapter 24, and he's receiving his bride. Remember how, how closely they are related, Isaac and Jesus? So Christ gave himself, then Christ went to heaven, and then one day he's going to come and do what? He's going to come and receive his bride. And so there just there's so many things that are similar between Isaac and Jesus. So Genesis 22 is important because the similarity between Isaac and, and Jesus, but it's important because of the obedience of Abraham. Therefore, what must take place in my life, in our life, in order for us to hear God say, I know that you fear God. Now, there, there are certain phrases that we understand that are said that brings us encouragement and delight, and one would be, oh, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's something we'd all like to hear. But what is it that we must do as Abraham in order to hear God say, I know you fear God. I'm going to list three things that we must do, taken from this passage of Scripture. If you'll notice verse 1, chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things. After what things? After these things. After all the other hardships of Abraham. After his hardship with uh, Sarah, where she laughed when she realized she was going to have a son. <clears throat> after the hardships with Hagar, his handmaid, how she begat Ishmael. After his hardship with Ishmael and Hagar, and he had to ask him to leave. After all of these things, after all of these things. Now, you need to remember something. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. So please remember that he had these former, former trials. But remember that your former trials will not secure us from our future trials. Just because you've had a hard time in the past doesn't mean you're going to have an easy time in the future. After these things, and he'd gone through a lot, but he was fixing to experience the most difficult trial of his life. He thought he'd already experienced those. And so make a note, personal note, as a Christian, as a believer, the formal trials that we have does not secure us from the future, trial, future trials that we'll experience. So verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now that word tempt is translated in the King James Version. It's a little strong translation. The word is really strong. Uh, it's the better translation for that word is not tempt, but it's test. After these things, God tested Abraham. The point is, God tempts, or he tests people to test their faith. God's going to test your faith as a Christian. He's going to test my faith as a Christian. Remember the difference. Satan tempts you to draw you into sin, but God tests you to discover the graces that you have in your life, whether you're long-suffering and gentleness and your goodness and your mercy and your, uh, he, he tests you, tests me in order to test our faith and to discover those graces and point those out to us, that are the lack of those that we have in our life. So God tempted Abraham. He tests him. If you remember, God tempted Job. He tested Job. 
He tested Job, not that Job might appear as a good man, but he tested Job that Job might appear as a great man. There's none like him in all the world, he told Satan. And so he, he had a test. The point is, strong faith is often exercised with strong trials. You have strong faith, you know what's coming? Strong test, strong trials. Now, why does the trials come? To test our faith. Now, just kind of make a mental note. True faith, true faith is always tested. True faith is always tested. Now, why is that? Because it's only through this test that we discover what kind of faith we have. If our faith is weak, if our faith is mediocre, if our faith is strong, it's through the test that we realize what faith we have, how strong our faith is. Now, remember, the most severe test, the most severe test does not come from people. The most severe test that you and I will ever experience will not come from just ordinary people. It won't come from your, your boss. It won't come from your job. It won't come from your spouse. It won't come from your neighbor. It won't come from your worst enemy. The most severe tests come from God. From God. Now, this morning, God may have assigned you a test already. Strong test. It came from God. I'm being tested. It came from God. So we all experience trials, i.e. tests, and they come from God. The most severe come from God. It, it, you know, so this morning, God may have assigned a test in your life. It may have been with your family. It may be with your job. It may with, be with your neighbor or your health. It may be with the health of a loved one. Like, like our daughter, Corey, that's really a test in our life right now, especially her life and her, her small family. They come. And that, and that wasn't brought about by a doctor. That wasn't sent on us by God, but it was permitted by God to test our faith, to test my faith, to discover what kind of faith I really have in my life. Wouldn't you like to have a preacher that had strong faith? Well, I, I'm sure you would. And, and i really like for you to have a strong preacher that has strong faith too. Preacher that has strong faith. And in order for me to know if my faith's weak or not, then I, I face test. For God to say, now I know that you fear God, first of all, there must be a trial. There must be a test in your life. Remember, God just didn't want Isaac's life, but he wanted Abraham's obedience. That's what the whole story is about. It's not about Abraham sacrificing his... Oh, it is to some degree sacrificing his son's life, but the main point, the essence, is the obedience of Abraham. How obedient was Abraham? I'm working on some material now for our church, and the title of it, that what I'd like for us to do is to have goals, G-O-A-L-S, goals for obedience. Read my Bible. That's, that's being obedient. Tithing, that's being obedient. Attending church, that's being obedient. Being a part of a small Bible study group, that's being obedient. We need goals for obedience. Abraham is in 
Genesis 22 because he was obedient. So there's a test. Isaac, what was the test? Well, look at verse 2. He says, and he said, take now thy son, thy only son. My goodness, I've got to hurry. Whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer them there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains. So, so God didn't want Isaac's life. He just wanted Abraham's obedience. And, and listen, now Isaac was very special to Abraham. He was his only son, only son. He had Ishmael, but he was, he was kind of like his stepson. This was his only son as God had Jesus as his only begotten son, the only one of his kind. Isaac was the only one of the kind for Abraham. He was the person who, who, who had all the promise of God. So God wanted to make sure that Isaac, that Abraham was obedient. And, and so he used his son. Now why did he use his son? Well, he wanted to make sure that Isaac had not become, listen, Abraham's idol. My parents, listen to this. At times, your children can get between you and God. At times, your spouse can get between you and God. And God wanted to make sure that Isaac had not become Abraham's idol. Willing to give up his idol. God said, take your son, not a lamb. He would have offered a thousand lambs instead of his son. But take your son, your only son, your son Isaac. Then he says, whom you love. Now, in order for God to say he's a man that that feareth God, there must be a trial, and then there has to be a trip. Okay, You not only have a trial in your life, but you've got to take a trip. And the trip's found in verses 3 through 10. So he got up early in the morning. Verse 3. He gets up early in the morning. Now here's a good point to remember. Those who desire to do the will of God, they don't want to delay about it. They don't want to put it off. They don't want to postpone it. God tells you to go to the mountain. You get up early in the morning. You start your journey. Those that are serious about doing the will of God, they begin the journey. So he saddled his donkey, he took two men, Isaac his son, they started a journey. And he was going to the place where God told him. There in verse 4, on the third day, they could see the place. Verse 5, something very important happens. Look at verse 5. And Abraham said to the young man, so they're getting closer to the place. Abraham tells the young man, Abide ye here with your ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So there's a transaction that takes place right here. Now, don't miss this. The transaction was he leaves the men behind, the two guys behind, the donkey, and just he and Isaac goes to the altar. Isn't that awesome? The transaction is going to take place, and it'll be between the father and the son, between Abraham and Isaac. Same type transaction took place there on Calvary. All of a sudden, everybody gathered around the cross. They'd watch the crucifixion. Everybody was there. The mother of Jesus was there. John, favorite disciples there. The soldiers were there. And all of a sudden, the sky turned black. It began to thunder. The earth began to quake. It turned dark, as dark it, more dark than it had ever turned before. And people began to flee. And the transaction was there was no one there but the Father and the Son. It's awesome. No human being was going to interfere with what was going to take place. Just the Father and the Son. So the transaction at the cross was between the Father and the Son. And the point is, man is not participating in it at all. 
just Jesus and God, just Abraham and Isaac. Look at verse 6. Going there, the boy carried the wood. Remember, Christ carried the cross. Verse 7 through 8, the boy just simply asked a simple question. Where's the lamb? J. Vernon McGee said this, and I like this. He said, although Abraham's, although uh, Abraham said, the Lord will provide the lamb, there was no lamb there. What did he find in the bush? A ram. There's a difference between a ram and a lamb. The ram was in the bush, but who's going to provide the lamb? And the lamb would come later. Isaiah's question, uh, uh, I mean, Isaac's question was answered hundreds of years later in, first, in John 1, verse 29, when he says, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's when the lamb showed up. <laughs> That's when the lamb showed up. Verse 9, Isaac was, Isaac was put on the... Uh, on the altar, if you see that, look at verse 9, Isaiah 22. They came, they placed, God told him, Abraham built an altar, laid the wood, bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar. Now, Isaac wasn't just a little boy. 25 years had gone by until this time. Some believe Isaac was between 30 and 33 years old. Sound familiar? Sure. But you know what he was doing? Isaac was just, Isaac was just obeying. He was doing this in strict obedience to his father, Jesus testified himself, and he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Isaac was just obeying what his father told him to do. Verse 10, Abraham, he stretches out his knife. He, he didn't understand it, but he was going to be obedient. And so, this morning, some of you have a test assigned. The question is, are you willing to take the trip? You may be where you've just started out on the trip, or you might see the mountain in the distance there. You may be building your altar. You may be laying in the wood. The point is, the test, the trip, is either proving or disproving your and mine, my obedience to God. Taking the trip. Being ready to move out. Being obedient. And then third, let me close with this. There's this triumphal experience there in verses 11 through 13. You understand, you remember what it was. Jesus, listen, uh, Jesus always promises us that it always ends good. It may not seem good uh, at, at some times, but it always ends good. The point is, just when things look the bleakest, just when they look the hopeless, God came through for Isaac and for Abraham. And the point is, he'll come through for you if you're just willing to be obedient. If you put your faith in him, there's going to be a test. There's going to be a trial. If you put your faith in him, you have to take a trip. But during the trip and all that you go through, while you're on the journey, we call them journeys, while you're on the trip, just remember there's going to be triumph at the end. There's going to be triumph at the end. This morning we're going to have a, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And the invitation, I want you to hear a song that I believe will speak to you. And whatever you're going through in your life, here's what I'd like for you to do. During this song, this is going to be the invitation. The altar's going to be here. You come and pray. If you've never trusted Jesus, guys, listen, as dads, as, as granddads, as uncles, or whatever male figure we have here, the most important thing you could do for yourself and your family is to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life.
let me encourage you to come today. You may be going through a test. You may be going through one of those trials. You may just want to come and pray. You may be here today and you need to move your membership to this church and get plugged into a church. You're just out here roaming around and God wants to use you and you need to come today and be identified with the church family and minister and serve. Get plugged in. You need to come. Rededication of life, whatever it is, you need to come. We need fathers today who are willing to be obedient to his word, to his command, to his will. And trust him for everything. Pray for this preacher. Pray for your pastor that I'll be able to do the same thing. Listen.